Hey, yo, Jeff. What's happening, Jeff? Things are good, bro. Just getting ready to record another episode. You got it. It's the Evolving Dads Podcast. Coming to you straight out of Montreal. Where we help fellow dads figure out fatherhood a little better. And meet some amazing guests along the way. All right, let's do this. Okay, here we are. Back for another episode. Today we have the general manager of Ultimate Montreal and a father of two, Christian Dauteuil. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm honored to, to have been invited. Yeah, and uh, to clear up to people, Ultimate Montreal means Ultimate Frisbee. It's just a cool way of saying it now. <laughs> so appreciate people don't see uh, don't see us because like every time I hear about Ultimate Frisbee, I have that big smile and I'm like, oh man, one day I'm going to try. One day. <laughs> Christian, uh, thank you so much for being here. Tell us about uh, your background, where you grew up, your career path. Uh, did you expect to end up where you are today as a general manager at the Ultimate Grand Montreal? Uh, well, to answer your last question, no. <laughs> uh, I didn't expect that. Um, I have a, quite a, a particular background in terms of how I grew up. Uh, I, I was born in Montreal. Um, My parents divorced when I was fairly young, so five, five, six years old, kind of. Uh, my mother moved uh, to the Laurentians, so, so in Saint Adele, where I'm actually living now, coincidentally. Um, and uh, so I was basically, I grew up between Montreal and the Laurentians, uh, with a short stint uh, living in the Caribbean as well. So <laughs> nice. Where to? Uh, I lived in uh, Saint Martin. Um, So, which is, if people don't know, it's uh, near Guadeloupe and uh, Martinique and all that. So I, I lived there for about a year and a half, uh, and my mother lived there for about five years. So when I came back to live with my dad, well, I, I was kind of traveling back and forth at every uh, every holiday to go and see my mother. And in the summer, she would come back uh, to, uh, to, to Quebec to, to, to see us, basically. As often it happens, uh, I went to CJEP in, uh, in gestion administrative, uh, donc technique administrative, uh, with, uh, with um, a specialty in uh, uh, industrial management. <laughs> when, I did okay. my, when I did my internship, I, the good thing was I said, okay, that's not what I want to do in life. <laughs> Um, and after, after CJEP, I basically, uh, which is college for people who aren't from Quebec, but, um, after, uh, after college, I, uh, I went, I had an opportunity to go and work, uh, in Switzerland, uh, where I worked in a, in a school, international school. Um, I started working there if, or at the summer camp level, uh, so during the summers. Uh, and after CJEP or college, I, uh, I accepted a job to, uh, to work in outdoor pursuits um and uh, and stayed there for a year and a half and that's where i decided to uh, pursue that career uh and i studied uh, in um, in outdoor pursuits at university basically i came back to quebec uh, i went to university in chicoutimi uh in a program that's called uh, plein air et tourisme d'aventure Uh, so yeah, basically outdoor pursuits. Um, and then I went after that, I went back to Switzerland for another year and a half to, to work in there. And when we moved there at that time, we, we planned on, uh, on staying there for a longer period. We actually moved there, uh, my wife and I, uh, for, like for, for, for our life basically. Um, and, uh, and we finally decided to come back to, to become parents and have kids and all that. 
Uh, and uh, so when we came back, we had uh, we had our first child, uh, and we would we just found it easier to have uh, to have our children here where our family network was and all that. W- which brings me when I came back to uh, to Quebec, basically, I worked. Uh, I continued working in outdoors pursuits. I was a director of uh, of a outdoor uh, recreation center, and then I was a director of uh, of the Petit Train du Nord, which is a bike path in in the Laurentians. Uh, and then I started working in um, uh, for a company that does um, first aid, uh, remote first aid, so wilderness first aid, uh, basically teaching people how to take care of uh, patients or like victims or people that get hurt when nine one one doesn't uh, doesn't work. Um, so I was there for uh, for uh, several years, around five years. Unfortunately, uh, the company had to let me go and. Uh, and uh, that's when the opportunity of, uh, of Ultimate Grand Montréal came up, and uh, it was kind of a situation where everything was getting aligned, uh, and I had I was playing frisbee or ultimate for uh, since two thousand four, and now we're in uh, we're in two thousand fourteen. So, so I, I had been already playing for ten years, loved the game, loved the the, the values of the game, and uh, and. Yeah, I was looking for a job, and when I saw that one, I was like, "Oh, well, this is a great opportunity," and uh, I jumped on it. That's great. Um, I remember when Ultimate was getting very popular in Canada back when I was—I won't say how old, but uh, around the mid, <laughs> early to mid nineties. Um, is it still popular today? Is it growing? Yeah, uh, it is. Well, obviously, COVID years is is a bit tough, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, when when I joined uh, Ultimate Grand Montréal, uh, which was u- usually used to be called uh, Association de Ultimate de Montréal, uh, there was about uh, just under three thousand members, um, and uh, now uh, we've passed the four thousand. So uh, so there's a there's a quite a big growth. Um, the the sport is mainly it were, was mainly uh, developed in in the adult uh, arena, let's say, um, and one of the mandates and that's one one of the things that appealed to to me for the job was that uh, my job was to develop uh, the at the junior level, so the youth level, and right now we that's what we're doing in Montreal is uh, is trying to get kids playing um, because in the past it was mostly uh, university students or uh, or people that uh, that caught on to the sport as a second sport or a third sport uh, mm-hmm. but now we're, we're actually uh, seeing kids that have uh, that uh, that are starting to play at a very high level and they've they started playing like when they were six seven eight years old so so it's really uh, super super fun yeah I think um, in some people's eyes ultimate is still seen as a bit of a hippie sport no referees located near some drum circles but in reality but the reality is that uh, it's seriously athletic uh, sport. Uh, I heard I, I've been I've been pushed a lot to to play that sport in my uh, after uh, basketball career. So most people wouldn't last five minutes in a competitive or even casual game of ultimate. Would you agree? Absolutely, it's it's a very fast paced sport. Uh, there's a lot of uh, of um, uh, of give and go, and and it's a lot of running and. Nobody actually has a position. Let's say, like, if you compare it to soccer, where people basically played either defense or forward or something like that. In ultimate, like, you play all over the court uh, or the field, I, I should say, um, and and you're basically always running until there's a 
until there's a point or a stoppage of play. But if there's a turnover, let's say if there's an uh, interception, well, you're just running the other way, the other direction. So it, it is very, very athletic, very cardio uh, um, sport. And, and yeah, it, it needs quite a bit of, um, of stamina, let's say. How, how long are the games? Uh, there's different formats. Um, the, the most popular format in Montreal uh, we play is, uh, is five on five. So five, five people against five. Uh, and the games are one hour. Um, but in the in the regular uh, ultimate, like the traditional ultimate, it's uh, it's played seven players against seven players. Uh, the field is obviously bigger, uh, and the games are not uh, timed. Usually, it's a it's to a point level, so it's the mm. first team that that gets to fifteen points, which takes about an hour and a half. Uh, can could be a, around two hours. Obviously, in tournaments, sometimes we need to to schedule the games, so so there yeah, is a time cap. So uh, so time caps are usually uh, between an hour and a half and two hours. Yeah. And has the game changed much in the past 20, 30 years? And if so, how? Um, well, uh, evolution. Before there was only seven on seven, so that that that's right. the traditional way of playing. Um, Montreal was actually uh, <laughs> some people from Montreal invented the, the the five on five format just to to be able to uh, maximize the place on uh, on a synthetic field uh, yeah. fields are expensive to rent so we, we um we try to to maximize the, that space uh and the fact that we play uh the five on five format is played a bit like um in hockey where where the change-ups are made on the fly Um, so it's a very, it's even more fast pace because of that, because you're always running and there's always fresh legs on the field. So, so that definitely changes the game as opposed to the seven on seven where, where you're changing at every point. So you need at that point, you need, it's more strategic. You need to, to manage your, your energy and, uh, and, and all that. Um, And in terms of, of other changes, uh, what I'd say is the fact that, that players are actually, As you were saying, like before, it was a bit of a hippie sport. Like, okay, let's just grab a frisbee, grab a couple of, of cones, and just go and play in the park, um, which is fine. It's perfect, and it, it, that still happens. But when when kind of competition sets in, and then oh, that team is actually practicing to be better on the field. Then well, I I have to practice too. So so that that kind of changed as well, and and uh, made the sport uh, evolve a little bit more in terms of performance and, uh, and athleticism. Um, and another big change uh, in, the, in the past couple of years that I've seen is um, before it was a lot, uh, like even competitive teams had, had um, captains uh, that were trainers and, and they didn't actually have a trainer for the team uh, or a coach. Uh, it was the captain or one of the players that uh, that acted as the coach and was playing as well. Uh, and in the past couple of years now, it's it's uh, it's starting to have like actual coaches that uh, that uh, that do the job, and and it, it's it makes a huge difference in terms of of the perspective of the game and and uh, the evolution of of uh, who needs to improve on what aspect and stuff like that. And you mentioned some of the ideals of ultimate, so some of the mindset around it. How are they a, glue, a good blueprint for today, for society, could or should work? I think you were pretty passionate when we spoke about this off the air. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's, it's one of the things I, I, I appreciate the most about the sport. Uh, as, uh, as the other Jeff, uh, I was a basketball player in, in high school and, uh, and also a volleyball player. And I, I always enjoyed sports um, and 
I always saw my my opponent as as a person who pushed me to be a better athlete. So the more that he was good or she she was good, well, the more I had to be better to to actually beat that person. Um, and I've I've always had the mindset of if if I'm at my best and you manage to beat me, well, I'll be your number one fan because good job. And and that's a bit the the the, the background behind Ultimate. Uh, we have something that's called Spirit of the Game, um, and Spirit of the Game. Um, is is basically based on integrity, communication, conflict resolution, respect, um, self control, humility, um, honesty, just and having fun and just being there to be at, at your top level, and that uh, enables us to have self officiating. So we have no refs on the field, or everybody's a ref, depending on how you want to see it, um, yeah. and. And it's some people that don't understand how self-officiating works. They say, oh, it's just for fun and you, you don't need refs because you're, you're just tossing a Frisbee around. It's not the case. The self-officiating basically means that if something happens on the field, it's the responsibility of the players on the field to uh, come to a conclusion and to a resolution of that conflict. So if, let's say, I, I foul on one of you two, then you would call that foul. And then uh, we have to have a, a small dis- discussion in terms of, well, what was your perspective? What was my perspective? And then, okay, well, then I have to agree, was that a foul or was that not a foul? And then I can right. object to that. But it, it, it just enables us to have a communication and some, some exchange and some, some listening skills in terms of, okay, well, how did you find what happened and all that? And also some humility in terms of, okay, well, yeah, I did, I did do a foul. I'm sorry. And okay, let's, let's get, bring the disc back and we'll, we'll start over. And, and like (laughs) with the political climate, climate recently, I mean, I think that would be something that uh, it's skills that are, that have to be, that have to be improved in our society. I think just to, to be able to talk and to, to, to be able to see other people's views without necessarily jumping on our high horse. Um, it's definitely something that, uh, that happens and it doesn't mean we always have to agree, but at least there's respect and there's, there's a way of, 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 uh, conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, that I love is, if we by developing youth uh, ultimate in in youth programs well we're teaching the, these kids these skills as well as just throwing a frisbee and and uh, and being athletic they're also learning how to to be better in society basically i love uh, i love your approach um, because when i used to do sports and that's why i'm well, I'm very, I'm a, I'm very sport oriented, and I, I want to try to push, uh, uh, not push, but uh, if if I can encourage my kids to do sports, because that's one of the main things I I learn um, as a ex athlete is it's not about your sport. You know, you're not going to be a basketball player or a soccer player or a football player or a frisbee player all your life. But one thing's going to be you're going to be a, a, a citizen. You're going to be a, a a human being, and there's and there are values that you need to. Then you need to bring, and there's a value you bring to the society. To society. So um, if you can um, bring all those uh, uh, those set of skills that you learn through your sports, and you know it's like a sports is like a micro society. Mm-hmm. So if you can live in that micro society and bring the best you 
the best of yourself to society will ultimately will uh, will definitely do better. Exactly. It uh, absolutely and 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 like any sport, I think it is can be can be played in that sense. But the fact, the presence of uh, of um, of a referee often makes it that you're actually playing against you're playing against your the other team, but you're also playing against the ref and trying to see how you can manage to to avoid um, him seeing you doing something that you shouldn't be doing, which which goes totally against um, the spirit of the game in ultimate. But it should be going against anything in terms of sports it's like it should be fair play and if if you're the better better athlete well good job and if i am well good job on me you know it's it's so uh, so important and we'll uh switch over now because we were put in touch we are called evolving dads so we have to dig into your fatherhood quite a bit uh, <laughs> we were put in touch with you for a very special reason um you have a very unique situation with your kids and it's much more challenging than most of us can actually imagine. So can you tell us about your kids? Yes, uh, I have uh, two kids. Uh, so uh, my son is uh, 17 years old. Uh, his name is Charles. And my daughter is uh, 11. And she's uh, she's called Catherine. Uh, and both of them are uh, have special needs. Uh, so they, they have a condition that's called uh, uh, myotonic dystrophia uh, which is kind of a, a, a form of muscular dystrophy uh, which makes it, um, it, it in layman's terms let's say that uh, their their muscles contract but then they don't release as quickly as they, they would with uh, any other pe person um, so that makes the makes it uh, uh, harder for them to do some some activities or some movements and, and stuff like that um, they they're not in a wheelchair or anything like that but they do they do have uh, physical uh, handicaps and uh, also uh, um, in terms of uh, mental abilities they they, they, ha they have some uh, handicaps as well um and uh yeah we we, we live with that uh, every day um and we love them and um yeah i remember when we talked and we chat uh, you told us about uh, that story where you 87 days this is how long you your son spent in um icu uh, intensive uh, care unit when he was born and we can't even imagine um can you remember that period in your life and maybe tell us a bit about uh, the experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, 87 days. And it's actually the NICU. So it's the neonatal intensive care unit oh, because my none of it is it, it's 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 fine um because my son was born basically prematurely uh he was born at 29 weeks uh three and a half pounds um so 500 grams for those who are in <laughs> the metric system <laughs> uh, but um yeah he um and and we don't know why uh, why uh, my my wife uh, gave birth earlier that like there's she was respecting every like she was ticking the boxes on the fridge to to make sure that she ate all the the proper things and and she was doing it like a textbook uh, textbook thing um and and uh yeah so basically charlie uh, charlie arrived a little bit earlier than we thought um and the challenge in that was uh, it was at the Montreal Children's Hospital, which is uh, which is an incredible hospital, and I can't uh, I can't um, thank them enough for what they've done for both of our kids. 
um, the challenge, one, the first challenge was that we, we live in, Mont- in Sanadel, which is uh, about an hour away from, uh, from Montreal. Um, and our, our son had to stay at the hospital and there was no way for us to stay at the hospital because it's a children, tr- children's hospital. Sorry. Um, so we were doing back and forth every day for those 80, 87 days. Um, and it's like some people, everybody that, uh, that met us at that time or, or our family or, uh, and they, they would say like, well, how, how are you doing this? Like, it's so hard and all that. And, and our only response was like, well, like, this is all we know in terms of being a parent because we, we don't have right. it. That, that was our first child. So for us, it was like, yes, it was, it was a bit grueling, obviously, because there was the traveling and all that and the uncertainties of, of having your child in, in the hospital. But it was our reality and, and we kind of maybe accepted it de facto, but, uh, but it was still, it was still our re- like reality. And obviously when we came back to the house after 87 days, it was, <laughs> that also took a bit of a- adaptation because when you're at the hospital, like you have nurses that are very close by and you have, That's you true. have monitors that are telling you, okay, the heart rate is this and the, the beeping and all that. And you're like, and at, at, at first it's scary, but at, at, at the end it becomes like your, your security blanket basically. And when you're, you're mm-hmm. at home and you're like, whoa, Okay, this is easier, but it's still it's still panicky because you're you don't have those security blankets anymore, and you don't have that nurse, and you don't have the 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 monitor that'll tell you like the the that your baby is desaturating and stuff like that. So, so it was um it was a trying time both in the hospital and when uh, when we came back home. Yeah. And could you could you hold him during those eighty seven days? Were you able to pick him up? And yeah, that's a very good question. It actually took two weeks for my wife to be able to take him um, because uh, my son was on a, on a respir- uh, respirator. Um, and uh, there was a, one of the nurses that was there that was uh, incredible. Um, and, uh, and she, she was um, a nursing coach or like um, uh, is, is that nursing? Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, she exactly. was a, a nursing coach because my wife actually nursed uh, my son, even though when, like when he was, three and a half pounds like uh, I think he, she nursed him for over a year uh, and at first it was super like she had to um, we had to feed him with a syringe and uh, through the nose and all that and and there was the, there was the respirator um, and that that nurse when she found out that my wife had like none of us had taken him like we could touch him but we, we hadn't held him in his in our arms um, and, and it was it had been two weeks she says okay but I got this and <laughs> we'll make, and she, it, we'll make and, it happen. Yeah, we'll make it happen. And it, it was obviously complicated because he was still, he still yeah, was right. intubated, uh, but she made it happen. And, uh, and like, that was definitely a life changing moment. Um, and, and my wife, like she, she, she put him on, uh, on her uh, for hours. Like she, she would put him and, and there's this thing about moms that the temperature regulates automatically and, and he's fine. Right. And at one point I took, like I, I, I obviously love to, to take my son on, on me as well, but I couldn't like I, I could do 15, 20 minutes and then the monitors would would start beeping because he was too hot and I was like I, I was generating too much heat for him and and it was kind of desaturating and all that. so so I had to obviously put him back in his bed, but uh, but my wife she, she could put him uh, on her and, and it, it, like for three hours in, uh, on a, in, in straight and no problem. so yeah. 
what uh, what's his life like today, day to day? How much assistance does he require? That kind of thing. Yeah, well, um, my my I, as I said, my my son was uh, pre uh, prematurely, so he's a preemie, uh, and that kind of hid the fact that we didn't know at first that he had dystrophemiotonic, uh, 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 so my uh, myotonic dystrophia. Um, and that's basically why we had a second child, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, and we didn't know that it was hereditary. Um, but when my, my daughter, uh, was born, then, uh, then we started seeing, uh, some, um, some delays in her development and all that. And that's when we had her checked. Um, and, uh, then, then we found out that, uh, that it was, uh, they both had the condition and, uh, and it was also hereditary. Um, so obviously no more, no other kids <laughs> planned. Um, yeah. and right now they're, they're both in, um, in a specialized school in, uh, in St. Jerome, which is about, uh, 45 minutes away by bus, uh, every morning for them. Um, the school is, is incredible. Uh, the, the teachers are so, um, uh, so, so devoted. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and, and they'll be in that school until they're 21. So uh, basically what, what happens is there's a kind of an elementary uh, class. So my, my daughter right now is, the, is in the elementary class and my son is in the high school level class, basically. And then there's another class, which is kind of an adult internship class. Um, so they're, they're taken care of. Obviously, the, 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 in terms of academic uh, background and, and education, it's not the same. They, they have uh, specific uh, uh, background or specific uh, curriculums that they follow. And um, and as they grow older, well, they they try and and, uh, and steer them and help them to eventually maybe get a job or or be be in- included in society if that is possible. It's not always uh, always possible. So so that's uh, that's definitely something that's uh, we're looking forward to, and and we we see that uh, the the kids like it as well, and and it. Uh, it gives them value and gives them uh, self-esteem. Um, and at home, um, it's like we try to adapt. Like as I said uh, at the beginning of the interview, I, I'm I'm very uh, outdoor oriented. Uh, my wife as well. So we try to adapt our activities to make sure that we're able to do them. Uh, so we we go for little walks and uh, hikes and stuff like that, and we go uh, canoeing. Um, so it, it is. Is it is more challenging than if the kids were more autonomous, uh, but we we try and make it work as much as possible, and we we definitely try and and adapt any activity to to be able to uh, to do them with our kids. I I remember when we um, we we talk um, we talked a few weeks ago uh, before before uh, recording this, um, and one thing you said that really struck me um, was regarding um, the. Now you guys are very involved and, 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 and are doing pretty much every, everything in your power to, to make sure that they have everything they need. Um, but you mentioned the after. You talked about the after yeah. on whenever you guys are not around and, and when a thinking or a thought that not every regular dad would have, right? Um, can you maybe talk about uh, that process in your mind and your mind and your wife's? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. It's like obviously when you have kids with special needs and and you realize that that 
they'll never be autonomous like they'll never be fully autonomous that they'll be able to to um to have a job that's gonna or or if they do have a job it's gonna be like a special uh, uh special program where where they have more supervision and stuff like that but but they they'll they'll never be able to have um, an apartment of their own or stuff like that um so so it's it's kind of a, a worry that regular parents don't necessarily have is is what's going to happen to my kids when i'm gone which obviously like we all i understand we all love our kids and we all want their best for them but eventually normally they they grow up and they get out of the house and they're on their own <laughs> um in our case uh, it's it's uh, yeah we we came to the obvious realization that that was going to happen and we needed we needed to plan for when uh, when we weren't there um one of the things that kind of put my mind at ease was that um especially my son uh, I, I was a bit more worried about my son because he's less autonomous than my my daughter is um and and when i realized that he he enjoyed he enjoys a routine like when he's like if he gets up at the same time does the same thing and and like does his same activity and uh, and he loves puzzles so so like he'll be at a puzzle for like 3 hours and do a thousand piece puzzle that's not a problem and if i can find that if i can be able to put him in that situation uh, mm-hmm. when i'm not there i know he's going to still be happy like he's going to still find happiness in t- in that environment. So it, let's say if it's with a family member or if it's uh, placed in in a specialized center, um, if he has that routine where he has his little things and his little uh, enjoyments in life, he'll be happy. And and that definitely put my mind at ease in terms of okay, well, if this at one point just doesn't work out because either the 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 handicap becomes too severe because it's de- degenerative, uh, so if it does become too severe, then at one point, well, I know that it, it's not going to be that bad uh, to to have him there. The, the other aspect was was obviously the financial aspect, um, where. We we need to think about not only our retirement but also our our, our children's um, our, our children's uh, well being after we're gone, and uh, and it took us a while to 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 actually do our homework and and make sure that uh, that uh, we had uh, crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. But uh, recently we managed to 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 meet up with the people that are. Uh, that are specialized in that ter- type of, uh, of preparation, and and there are government programs and uh, that that can help. Where uh, where basically, essentially, you put in like uh, let's say uh, the parents put in let's say a thousand dollars, and then the, the the government will give you like uh, almost um, almost twice the amount in terms of, of money. But it, it's like a it's like an RRSP. You can't touch it, or but it's in the name yeah. of the children. So basically. Right. I put in the money, but but it's for the children, and then the, when the children get uh, get access to it, well, there's more money that has been put in by the government, and and I'll be able to uh, to to share links and stuff like that to uh, to help people 
navigating that because that was one of the challenges we found was was the fact that there's not a lot of information out there in terms of in in Quebec at least and maybe other places I hope other places it's more accessible but in Quebec it's kind of it's a bit of bushwhacking in terms of of where to get the information where to get the services where to get the help um, and and I have a huge advantage to have having a wife that's that's it's actually her field of expertise like she's a psychoeducatrice so uh, so so that's that's her job um and even though it's her english, job english english translation please yeah the english translation <laughs> is psych, uh, psychoeducator i guess um basically it, her job is is to help people that have uh, difficulty including or to be included into to society to be included into society so either whether it's uh, handicapped people or uh, or um, delinquents or uh, or uh, people that uh, senior citizens or stuff like that um so so that anyways that's her job <laughs> so basically she knows the programs and stuff like that and even though she knows the programs it's been a challenge so i i can imagine like people who have um who don't have the, the that ability to do it uh, it's it's definitely uh, it's well yeah basically they, they don't have the services and, and and that's a shame because it's the it's the children off uh, that that pay often and uh, and also the parents so now you're probably too nice to answer this question honestly but do you ever look at the quote unquote problems that other parents are having and just shake your head and think jesus you have it so easy cuz i i hear you I mean, I, we don't know you very well at all, but I already can imagine the amount of work you've gone through since day one, 87 days with your child in the NICU, and really a lifetime of, of things that most parents just don't have to think about. And I, I imagine you must look at some people complaining about this problem or that problem, just shake your head and say, man, you have no perspective on this. Does that ever cross your mind? Uh, no, not really. Um, because uh, the way I see, like, the approach I have to parenting is is our role is to is to help our kids be as autonomous as they can with the capacities that they have. Um, and and like my 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 children have a certain level of autonomy that they can attain, and and uh, and your your children have a different one, and and that's fine. And and there are things that might be more challenging for us. Uh, as parents uh, of special needs kids, but there are things that are easier. Um, like my son is 17 years old, and if if I put him in front of a Sesame Street, he's super happy. Like <laughs> I I don't have that that the, the struggle of of teens or or um, or uh, I I don't think I'll have tr struggles with uh, alcohol or uh, or drugs <laughs> or stuff like that. So it it it, it can. It can seem trivial, but like I think there, there's there's challenges in 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 both perspectives, and uh, and like our situation is this one, and and another parents is another one, and I think we all we all go through some rough patches and some easier patches, and and I think our 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 role as parents is to try and, and navigate through that and, and make the best of it from, uh, from all perspectives. That's a great answer. Jeez. I think, I okay. think I'm going to call Christian, uh, the Zen master. Yeah. <laughs> Man, after that, after that one, 
I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, it's a good. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very flattered. Um, and it's something like parenting is something I take I, I take at heart very, very strongly. Uh, like my nickname in Tremblant, because in addition to my job at, in Montreal, I'm also volunteering in, in terms of uh, organizing a league, another ultimate league in, uh, in Mont Tremblant, which is 45 minutes away from north of my house, so about an hour and a half from Montreal. Um, and and I'm 44. Uh, the average age at that league is 23. Uh, oh, wow. so, yeah, so they're they're starting at 16, and wow. and um, I'm I, I'm always happy because so far there's always been at least one person older than I am in that league. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm getting there. I'm getting to the oldest one. But basically, the the, the nickname they gave me is Papa Chris. Papa Chris. So so basically, I'm the father of the league. Uh, and and I, I when I was given that, like it was uh, it was kind of a, like any nicknames. It's it's often something that's like kind of uh, serendipitous. And I I embraced that uh, that nickname so say completely uh, because. As as I help my kids to be as autonomous as possible, I see that same role with with youth or with uh, with the kids that uh, that play with me at uh, Ultimate or or even with my employees or like my role. I see I definitely see my role into trying to give you the tools to make you evolve and develop and be better and and all that. And and if I can help you a little bit in in, in that path, well. I, I'm super happy, and, and it makes me it, it makes me uh, super blessed to to, to, to have a, an opportunity to be able to help you in that way. Nice. Thank you, Papa Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a few more questions, Papa, before we have to go and get our snack. Um, when we hear of uh, parents with special needs, it can either strengthen or strain your relationship with your partner. What has your experience been like? Um. Well, I think uh, the, the yes to both of those things. So it strengthens, and it, 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 there's there's some hardships for sure. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, that can maybe put a bit of perspective on on that in terms of my situation is um, I've known my wife since I was fifteen. Um, wow, <laughs> high school sweetheart. Yeah, so I'm, I'm turning 45 this year, uh, and she she just turned. So she's the oldest one. So <laughs> she she turned 45 a couple months ago. Um, so basically, yeah, we we met when we were 15. Um, we weren't going out. Uh, we didn't go out till we were officially 19. So we were okay. friends for a for a long period before. Uh, we were living uh, quite far away from each other, uh, and this was before internet. So we were actually writing letters to each other every week. On paper wow. and with a pen, <laughs> with stamps and stuff. <laughs> so, uh, so that yeah, that's from you're putting a us to shame completely. <laughs> Sorry, you're putting us to shame as as fathers, <laughs> as men, as romantic partners. We're just I'm going to leave this podcast completely emasculated. Like, uh, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> right, so we're going to yeah, cut, uh, cut all this part out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, get yeah, a, so get a step up your game. Get a step up your game, Jeff. I do. I do. I do. <laughs> so we started going out when we were 19. Um, we we got married in 2002. So I, I 
Honestly, I can't remember how old I was in to, uh, to, uh, 26. So we got married when we were 26. But we've been we've been together for quite a bit of time. Uh, and in that time, like before having kids, uh, we spent sometimes like 24 hours uh, together, working together, living together and all that. But also apart for like three, four months because I was in Europe and she was here. And so... I think, yeah, it, it definitely is a challenge, and and having special needs kids um, can be a challenge as as well. In in some respects, I think it it, it does strengthen, um, mm-hmm. and and in some respects, sometimes obviously there there are uh, there are rougher patches. Uh, I think it's important to have obvious like in any rough patch, it's important to have communication, and and definitely we can improve on that as anybody could and yes I, yeah, I, sure. I, I i as well for sure um and i, I think we have to res- like we're very different my my wife and and myself i'm i'm more um i'm more outgoing and uh and social and i need to see people and i need to to have contacts uh and my wife is a, a little more uh um in her house like in a little cocoon and uh <laughs> keeping taking care of her kids so so confinement has been rougher on me than her (laughs) but uh but i think it's you kind of grow in into that situation in terms of getting to know each other even though we've known each other for 30 years now which is crazy to 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 even think about um that's amazing (laughs) but but we yeah you, you kind of grow into learning more about the other one in different situations and uh and yeah uh, so uh, there's not really an answer like yes it's strengthened but yes there's been rough patches so we try to to to, to make sure that uh, the rough patches aren't too rough uh mm-hmm. and that we address them and uh and that uh and that we get to the light at the end of the tunnel as quickly as possible basically yeah and and I like the fact that you mentioned that you guys keep learning about each other and keep evolving in your relationship. Um, I think that's a, that's a great example for, for all of us. Um, how would you think you've evolved as a dad over the years? Um, well, as I said, like, uh, like even before being a dad, I, I worked uh, in a school taking care of kids uh, going on expeditions or uh, taking care of kids in summer camps. So that, that, Part of, of being a, a kind of a, I'll put it between brackets, but being kind of a role model or has always been something that's, that's interested me. Um, one thing that, that uh, was kind of a realization that helped me was I, when I realized that to be a good dad or to be a good uh, general manager at my job or to be a good husband, I have to like my. I have to love myself, or like myself, and be happy myself. Uh, so to make sure that I take care of myself and be happy in that role, and that's going to make me a better dad, a better employee, a better uh, colleague, a better husband, um, and and that I, I kind of tie it into ultimate. Um, because when my, my when my son was born was actually when I started playing ultimate. Um, when when my son finally came out of hospital, um, which was in July, um, he one of my best friends from from high schools. Uh, well, obviously he knew about all this situation and all that. And and when we were kind of settled into the house, uh, he said, "Hey, uh, 
I'm playing ultimate frisbee. You want to come and play? Like we had played basketball before the, when we were in high school and all that. And he said, uh, you're going to like it. Come. It's going to, it's going to be good for you. And, and just going there and I love the sport, but having that release of, I know that I'm playing ultimate frisbee like that night a week, like once a week, I'm going to ultimate frisbee and that's my job. My job mm -hmm. is to be happy playing ultimate frisbee with my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could, like unplug my my okay I'm a, I'm a dad of a special need child at home and no now it's I'm I'm dealing with myself and I'm playing ultimate frisbee and I'm with my friends I'm happy uh, so that that's definitely been something that's that's helped me quite a bit and uh, and it, it's definitely helped me in being more present when I'm with my kids well I'm with my kids right. uh, because when I wasn't with my kids I wasn't with my kids like I was. Yeah. Uh, on my own time so that that definitely helps i think nice so I, i'm not sure if that answers the evolving as a dad question but i, I thought right. that was still pertinent it does well it's, there's there's not a lot uh, there's not a lot of uh, and i'm not not to put anyone on, on the spot but uh, um the fact to understand who you are and what you and what and and know about yourself is something that people are still looking And still trying to figure out. So I think you solved uh, um, a, a big, uh, big chunk of that master uh, equation of life um, just by understand, understanding what you, what are your, what are your needs. So um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, we. I heard a lot about self compassion quite a bit. You got to uh, take care of yourself so you can be a present for your kids. You know, in your case, you need to be maybe even extra present. So you need that release. You need to take care of your physical shape. You need to turn your vigilance off for an hour and a half so you're not constantly watching or worrying. You need to, yeah, it's just, it's actually making you a better dad. Even though some people might tell, oh, how can you be away from your kid to go play a game? But no, you need to do that to yeah. be there. So just, uh, we're going to wind things down a little bit here, Christian, but um, do you have any resources that you want to mention so books that you've read that have influenced you or people or anything else that you think could be helpful for other dads to hear um well uh, in terms of books or um not really <laughs> I, i would <laughs> like i like what what i what i like to 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 to, um, to think about was was that uh, i think one of the most important things just to add in terms of evolving as a dad is 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 also to uh, to see your kids and and to see how happy they are in the simple things that definitely helps so to so to answer the question of who's inspiring me my kids are inspiring me um mm -hmm. in, in terms of what they can accomplish and um and determination um and and see how how they can push the boundaries and push what you thought was a, a possibility and then you, you, they, they exceed your expectations. Um, and, and doing that in the same time as not pushing them like over their boundaries is, is, is a challenge definitely. But I, uh, but I think it's a, it's a nice uh, juggling act where, uh, where it definitely helps. And, um, and if you manage to do that, Your kids are going to inspire you. Whoever your kids are, um, hmm. they, they they definitely uh, they're able to to uh, to accomplish uh, incredible things uh, and and surpass what what your expectations are. And, and in terms of 
of resources as I, as I uh, as I mentioned like in terms of special needs uh, I'll, I'll link some uh, I'll send you some links so you can put it in the in the, in the discussion uh, description um, but there are definitely resources obviously they're, they're going to be more oriented in terms of uh, of Quebec and in Canada um, but uh, there are resources that that can help parents in terms of uh, getting help and whether it be financial help or uh, in terms of um, of uh, of help in terms of uh, therapies or stuff like that, because it, it it definitely is a jungle out there, and it's not easy to find some information. Um, and yeah, I actually I, on a, on a closing note, I'll say that my wife in, inspires me tremendously because she's she, like she, she she's more I, as I said earlier, like she's. I'm the outspoken one and I'm the one in the front and, and like doing the parties and, and doing the, the games and all that. Uh, but, but she's in the background and, and she's the one who did the bushwhacking and, 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 and hacking at the, at the, at, at the government programs and, and calling and, uh, and doing all that. Um, and, and it's definitely helped our lives uh, in terms of giving, giving better resources for our children uh, and making sure that we're, um, we're uh, also um, taking care of and all that. So, so for sure. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a challenge and it's, it's often something that that can be overseen, but uh, it's super important as well. And do you have anything that you want to promote in terms of getting people to join ultimate Montreal or even to follow yourself? Any, uh, any Twitter feeds, any websites uh, take your, shoot your shot. <laughs> uh, well yeah obviously i ultimate frisbee uh, to 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 me is is the best sport just because of the values that it, it conveys um and from wherever people are listening to this in the world uh, i'm sure there's an ultimate frisbee league or an ultimate frisbee pickup game that's happening in your neighborhood um Ultimate people are super inclusive. Uh, no matter whatever your your uh, your level of play or uh, or your athleticism, they'll they'll manage to to fit you in somewhere and 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 teach you the ropes. So uh, make sure that you just look for, for for ultimate in in your region. And if you're if you are in the region of Montreal or Tremblant, uh, look us up like uh, UGM uh, Montreal Ultimate uh, CA. Uh, or in Tremblant, it's on Facebook, but it's Ultimate uh, Tremblant, and uh, yeah, we'd be super happy. It's I'm I'm always happy to to, to share the game with uh, with anybody, and um, and uh, try and make a society a little bit better with uh, with the spirit of the game. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Papa Chris. Uh, I, I, I love I love what you bring. Uh, I love your energy. I love your courage. You're very inspiring. Um, I, I was really looking forward to this conversation i i think it's even it turned out even better than i, than I thought uh, when i say when i say you're a zen master you are so uh, props <laughs> to you and i think and i i honestly think you 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 won a, a new player because i i, I definitely want to try well definitely uh, hit me up if uh, if if you want to play I'll, i'll make sure that if i'm not there that uh, somebody's there to, to to make sure that uh, that that you're well taken care of for sure and uh, yeah it'd be great for sure awesome yeah that's awesome Kristen. thanks so much and uh for sharing your story with us and and inspiring a lot of parents out there i really appreciate your time so thank you very much uh, thank you for having me it was uh, it was an, an honor super see you later all right care, man. okay that's it for today's episode hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned a little something too you can head to evolvingdads.com for the show notes 
and to see who else is coming up. You can also hit the support us tab and buy us a cup of coffee. Part two, catch all our episodes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. These reviews really help us to reach a bigger audience. Is that it, Jeff? I feel like we're forgetting something. Oh yeah, one more thing. Find us at Evolving Dads on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. See ya.